Nisambulavinaka, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific Ngo or Koroi Hawkins. Coming up... It's never too late to learn the language. It's never too late to reclaim this heritage. The Rutuman community in Aotearoa, New Zealand are working hard to preserve their language and culture. Uh, a compromise, I imagine, has to be found in some way or another if they want to avoid uh, clashes or, or open conflict again. New Caledonia's pro-independence groups consolidate their position. Successful businesses, but more importantly, that our children and young people can see it as a goal. And Māori, Pacifica and Wellington Chamber start three-way business partnerships. Rotuman is listed by UNESCO as one of the world's endangered languages and the Rotuman community in Aotearoa, New Zealand are working very hard to preserve their unique language for future generations. Sustainability of the language and culture is the main focus of this year's Rotuman Language Week which started on Sunday. Susana Suisuiki has the story. The island of Rotuma is located 500 kilometers north of Vitilevu. It is a Fijian dependency with its own distinct culture and language. Linguists consider Rotuman to be one of the most difficult languages to master as it requires the constant use of metathesis, reordering vowels in a word with a preceding consonant. Alfie Prasad, a member of the Rotuman Cultural Committee, Hata Collective, says that out of the 981 people they identify as Rotuman in Aotearoa, only 20% are able to speak the language. For the Rotumans, I think there's about 20% of us that still speak the language at different levels of fluency. And there's about 80% of Rotumans in New Zealand that don't speak the language or understand the cultural practices. On top of trying to revive the language, Prasad says there are many Rotuman members in the country who did not register their ethnicity in the last census. There's a huge number of Rotumans of part Rotumans that are in New Zealand that don't register as Rotumans. And I think the number, if we were to count them, would be close to 2,000 Rotumans altogether. Although the Rotuman population in Aotearoa is small, they are making monumental efforts to promote the language and culture. Last year, New Zealand politician Ingrid Leary delivered a prayer in Parliament entirely in Rotuman, the first time the language was spoken and heard throughout the room. As the mother of two Rotuman children, Leary says delivering the prayer in Rotuman and advocating for the language serves as a doorway for those that have a desire to reconnect with their culture. I was mindful that I am not Rotuman, so I see it as a doorway for somebody who is Rotuman to actually be able to speak the language in our special parliamentary house. But to have the honour and privilege of doing so for the first time with the prayer, something so spiritual, was just amazing. For Nari Fuata, a familiar face in the New Zealand music and television scene, reconnecting with a Rotuman heritage came much later on in her life. A decision that led her to produce Salat Se Rotuma, a documentary that captured her very first visit to the island. Fuata says being a member of the flagship Pacific Current Affairs show, Tangata Pacifica, sparked her interest to strengthen her identity. I was caught up with, you know, trying to, I guess, in, in some ways, assimilate and be a New Zealander. And um, I think it was always something that I wanted to explore. But in particular, working on Tangata Pacifica, 
You know, I work with all Pacific people, and they they know who they are. You know, the Samoan, Cook Islands, Tongans, and they've got such a strong sense of identity. And you know, I wanted to ensure that I had that too. Celebrations for this year's Rotuman Language Week will be held online, and the surge of interest and engagement with the culture gives Alfie Prasad a sense of hope that the endangered status of the language will be a thing of the past. He calls on all Rotumans, whether they are fluent or not, to take up the language resources that are readily available. It's never too late to learn the language. It's never too late to reclaim this heritage, this rich heritage, um, that has been passed down to us. Rotuman Language Week concludes on Saturday, 14th of May. To view the week-long program, head over to the official NZ Rotuman Language Week page on Facebook. New Caledonia's pro-independence FLNKS movement and five other small nationalist parties have agreed that they will only discuss the territory's accession to full sovereignty in talks planned with France. A joint position was adopted at the weekend at the Congress of the FLNKS and then a meeting involving other pro-independence parties, their first since last December's independence referendum. RNZ Pacific senior journalist Walter Teifel has been following developments. Kira Walter, so this is the most significant positioning we've seen from the pro-independence groups as a whole since the last referendum, is that right? Yeah, well, the FLNKS, which is the umbrella group of the pro-independence parties, had its first Congress since the referendum and also the first Congress since the election of uh, Emmanuel Macron last month. Uh, this meeting was held on Saturday, followed by a meeting with other pro-independence or nationalist parties at which they broadly agreed that they will have a common stance in the way forward in dealing with France. And the key point here is that this pro-independence movement will only discuss with France a way to attain full sovereignty. Now, this is, of course, significant because the referendum in December showed a clear majority, that is 96% of those who voted were against independence. Uh, The FLNKS and other pro-independence parties have said they considered the referendum outcome as illegitimate, not representative of the wishes of the Caledonian people, and they would not recognise the outcome. Uh, The Congress meeting restated that any talks with France will, however, have to be about how to obtain this sovereignty. And by sovereignty, that is the question of attaining full rights in terms of uh, powers related to justice, defence, policing, monetary policy and foreign affairs, which is still under control of France. Now, now on the on the other side of the fence, the anti-independence groups are, are doing a similar sort of corralling of support and, and, and closing ranks uh, in this whole debate. Yeah, of course. I mean, from their point of view, uh, the referendum outcome was clear. Uh, it cannot be contested, it was legitimate, there was no cheating, no ballot box stuffing, anything. Uh, they considered that to be the legally correct outcome of the option that was put to the voters in New Caledonia. They voted against independence for a third time. From their point of view, uh, this whole decolonization process has run its course and they consider that the next step is 
to find a way of how can you integrate New Caledonia back into the larger framework of France. And and this is all happening as um, we see the re-election of, of Macron. We're still one more, one more step in that process to go, but how does that relate and tie into all of this, Walter? Well, there is still the parliamentary election in France or the election of a national assembly next month uh, that will then yield a new government, most likely. Uh, there is every chance that uh, the Renaissance Party, as the Macron Party has now been renamed, uh, will retain a majority. Uh, there is some suggestion that the left may come back and uh, that there would be some sort of cohabitation between Macron and a left-leaning government. But, uh, you know, no one knows how it's going to end, but in all probability there's going to be a continuation of uh, French policies towards New Caledonia and uh, uh, the, the outcome of this referendum is still the only legal basis for any way forward. Uh, politically, of course, the question is difficult how it can be reconciled with the stance taken by the pro-independent side, which simply refuses to recognise this outcome. The pro-independent side has said it will raise this with the Pacific Islands Forum, raise it at the United Nations, getting the support of the United Nations in their view that this was not a legitimate process to determine the wishes of the New Caledonian people and that the decolonization process launched in 1986 when New Caledonia was reinscribed on this UN list, that this process has not been completed. Now, now the next step for New Caledonia after the three referendums is is already being prepared and sort of drafted in in the in the background to all of this, isn't it? Well, immediately after the referendum back in December, the then overseas minister uh, Sebastian Lucornu uh, put forward a concept that there would be a so-called fourth referendum in June next year, at which the voters in New Caledonia would be asked to decide if they wanted to accept the new yet-to-be-agreed statute for New Caledonia. Uh, there is also call on public, uh, on civil society to come up with ideas of how they would like to see the future New Caledonia to be shaped within this context of France. Uh, so far, nothing has come to the fore yet. Uh, things have been, of course, held up, A, by the pro-independent side saying they will not enter any discussion whatsoever until this election in France is through. The, the same side also saying that they were not going to entertain any idea of giving away anything that had been attained in this decolonization process. So for them, it's not a question of negotiating a way back into France. So we have a, you know, a, a sort of a, a stalemate at the moment between the pro-independent side and the independent side, because the, there is no idea of where it could go from here. Uh, the gains that were made in this uh, decolonization process so far means, among other things, that the electoral rolls in New Caledonia are frozen. That is, voting rights are restricted to indigenous people and long-term residents. Now, the anti-independent side thinks that with the Nomia Accord having lapsed, with these three referendums over, these provisions should no longer be applicable, meaning that migrants of more recent times should be granted voting rights. The pro-independent side says that's no way acceptable, given that the numbers would be skewed in such a way that migrants plus long-term residents would then 
form a clear majority against the indigenous people, who of course would then always remain in a minority. The other thing I was going to say is that with the with the two sides so strongly opposed to each other, um, it seems this this clashing like something. Is there is there a, a pressure release valve? Is there some compromise, some common ground that can be found in all of this? The record of the last thirty years has been that New Caledonians managed to sort things out peacefully. Uh, this decolonization process was launched in the late nineteen eighties because there were tensions, budding civil war, and a way was found to negotiate an arrangement as with the Martinu Accords first and then the Numea Accord to diffuse this independence question. Uh, it's been, it's like, you know, kicking the can down the road for 30 years, but at some stage, uh, you know, this, this square has to be circled. How this can be resolved is difficult to say. A suggestion that had been made by one of the pro-independence parties earlier on uh, is to create uh, an independent state associated with France, an arrangement similar to what we've seen in the Pacific, well, elsewhere, for example, you know, Cook Islands, New Zealand, that there could be a, a, an accommodation where New Caledonia would have some sort of independence in association with France. That is possible compromise. Uh, the pro-independent side wants to have full sovereignty in general, and the anti-independent side wants to be reintegrated to France as much as possible, making sure that it stays within the framework. Uh, a compromise, I imagine, has to be found in some way or another if they want to avoid uh, clashes or, or, or uh, uh, open conflict again. Māori and Pacific Business Networks have partnered with the Wellington Chamber of Commerce to accelerate growth in the New Zealand capital. The cooperation agreement between Te Awe Wellington Māori Business Network, Wellington Pacifica Business Network and the Chamber of Commerce is the first of its kind in Aotearoa. The chair of the Wellington Pacifica Business Network, Paul Retimanu, says it identified that collaboration is the key to getting them through. So what we've been doing is in the last 10 months we've been working alongside Te Awe Māori Business Network, which is the longest running Māori business network in the country, we've been going for 24 years, and also with the Chamber of Commerce here in Wellington. They've been going for 167 years. So what we do know is they obviously um, are a lot more advanced than where we were at, so we thought if we could sort of partner, get alongside and have a look at what they're doing, share some of the infrastructure that they have, that this will be able to help us sort of supercharge us to where we want to get to in the next five, ten years. La Manu Vaudeng Laban patron of the Pacifica Business Network, says it's important to encourage Pacifica to aim high and own their businesses. And it's only through this collaboration uh, that we can actually share resources and deliver on the vision that we have. We want Pacific people to be better than anyone else around business ownership, successful businesses, but more importantly that our children and young people can see it as a goal. The chair of Te Awe Wellington Māori Business Network, Wayne Johnston, says his group is excited by the power of three. He says it's the first of its kind in Aotearoa. What we see the Chamber bringing for us is that experience in the background, so for the questions and the hard questions, they are for our members to, to ring and, and talk to. So I think it's only about a good thing. Wellington Chamber of Commerce Chief Executive Simon Arcus said the parties had been working on the Power of Three for the past year. 
The great thing is that it's a power of three, we call it, because we see um, not only the Pacifica Business Network but the Tiawe Business Network and ourselves as key to actually growing together and becoming stronger as a business operation for Wellington. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Modemanda.